This podcast is recommended for a mature audience and contains themes that may offend. Hi, I'm Connie. I grew up in a small town New Zealand. I watched lots of television growing up, documentaries like Who's the Boss, Growing Pains, Kate and Ellie. When I was grown up, I went to the USA for real. These are some of my small stories in a big country, learning about the USA and learning about myself too. The first time I was in a car in North America was a taxi from LAX to my friend's house in Mar Vista. And uh, I was traveling with my friend, Stevie, who uh, is an American, I guess he's a local. And we get in this cab um, at LAX and we're driving to Mar Vista. And it's like the first time I've been in a moving vehicle that's driving on, air quotes, the wrong side of the road. Because here in New Zealand, the cars are a mirror image of the uh, cars in America. So it's kind of weird. And I'm like, it kind of feels like we're going into oncoming traffic. And then I start to notice that our taxi driver seems to be just going through red lights a lot. And I'm kind of like a little bit freaked out about this and quite exhausted from like a 12-hour flight. And I mean, I don't know if you can call it jet lag on the first day, but... The sun was in a place in the sky that my body clock did not fucking tally up with. So I'm dazed and confused. And this guy's going through these red lights. And I'm looking at my friend who's sitting in the front. And he seems real relaxed. And I'm like, "Uh, okay. (laughs) Okay. Should I say something? Like... This cabbie is going to kill us. He keeps going through red lights. Oh, my God. Anyway, we get to get to um, our mutual friend's place in Mar Vista and get out and pay the cabbie and everything else. And um, so I say to, my fr- say to my friend, I'm like, dude, what was going on with that taxi driver? And he was like, what do you mean? And I was like, he just kept blasting through red lights. And he was like, oh, honey, we have a thing in some states in America called right on red, which means that you can take a right-hand turn on a red light if it's clear. And I was like, my mind was blowing. My mind was blowing. So if you're in New Zealand, it would be like a left on red. So imagine you're at red light, turning left. You look and you can see no one's coming and you can just take that, you could just take that turn. It's real efficient. But um, it was a very strange introduction um, to the roads for me. Yeah. I grew up in New Zealand watching a lot of American documentaries like Charles in Charge, Growing Pains, Who's the Boss?, And there are a lot of cultural references in those shows that we did not have access to in New Zealand, such as Twinkies uh, and also Taco Bell. Uh, I believe I could get a Twinkie in New Zealand in 2020. I definitely couldn't in 1980. And there's still no Taco Bell in New Zealand, although that might not be a bad thing. Anyway, the first time I go to the States, I'm like on this cruise to experience these pop cultural touchstones. And... 
a Taco Bell was on the list. And I'd say to my friends, can we go to Taco Bell? And like, none of them would. Because my friends are classy, educated people, basically. They're like, no, honey, Taco Bell, why would you? Look, there's like this mom and pop Mexican place called Paco's. And so consequently, I ate a lot of really good Mexican food because my friends knew where the good Mexican food was at. But I was still curious about Taco Bell. And so it's maybe like two weeks into the trip we're in Portland, it's winter time, it's snowing. In fact, it was snowmageddon that year. It was like a dramatic snow. And um, my friends were all distracted one like one day and I'm like, this is my chance. I'm going to put on my boots and fucking walk in the snow to Taco Bell. So I'm staying in the Broadway district. Um, I, the place was near Northeast Schuyler. So I walked down past the on-point credit union ATM, down the road a little bit more, and then I'm like, there's Taco Bell. So like I go in and try and order value meal number six, except I discovered that girlfriend behind the counter couldn't really understand my New Zealand accent at all, and I really wanted that Taco Bell. Like I had waited for two weeks and walked through the snow, and I am really bad at doing accents. I just, I'm, it's just not part of my comedy repertoire is to do a passable accent. But I knew what I had to do to get that Taco Bell. So I had, I took a big, took a big, big deep breath, and I said, "Can I get value meal number six, please?" With apologies to every fucking American listening to this right now. I don't know what that is that accent but you know what it got me value meal number six it really did and so I sat down at the plastic chaired table a little handful of hot sauce a little handful of hot sauce and I had my Taco Bell and honestly it was like warm cat food it was just pap and I was like right yeah it's disgusting okay (laughs) this is why my friends were refusing to take me to Taco Bell but I could also see how it could be quite appealing at 2.30am if you're off your face. Um, I think the hot sauce kind of saved it. And that is a story about the first and last time I ever had the Taco Bell. Everyone's got an accent. Everyone. Everyone's got an accent. Probably the British people think that received pronunciation as modelled by the Queen of England is air quotes correct pronunciation. But um, those colonial motherfuckers with that attitude can go and suck a bag of dicks. Everyone has got an accent. And I didn't really understand the where my accent fitted in the scheme of things until I went and spent some time on the west coast of America. So, um, first of all, New Zealand gets like a lot of uh, stick from the UK and from Australia about our accent, that it's somehow dreadful and common and colonial and a lot of other very negative connotations. And it's so bad that a lot of New Zealanders have internalised this and people are embarrassed about their accent, their New Zealand accent. Um, And a couple of years ago, the New Zealand accent was voted sexiest in the world. Um, And so this is like a little story about how my relationship to my accent has changed with the help of North America. So the first thing is that I didn't really realise 
how impenetrable my accent is to someone who isn't used to it, which I find really surprising because Australia is a big country and they they can understand our accent. All those people from the UK, they can understand what we're saying. But I went to America and then all of a sudden there was this big like language gap and I'd be talking to people and I'd get feedback like, oh honey, I'm only getting every fourth word. And I started to realise that to some people the New Zealand accent was like how I might experience a really thick Scots accent or a really thick Welsh accent, where I can understand it, but I really have to concentrate. Which was, um, yeah, that was a revelation to me. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn the twang up now, because when I'm in North America, my voice kind of sounds a little bit more like this. It's a little bit more nasal. I hit my R's, um, I drop my W's, and... Although I probably sound like Blanche Devereaux after she suffered a dramatic stroke that affected her language area. Generally, if I talk like this, I can order food. And honestly, that is the most important thing to me. To be able to get the delicious, delicious Mexican food and the delicious food from the diners with the sausage gravy. And yes, I would like, I would like salad, a potato salad with my Reuben. And, and so this is, this is the thing that happens when I'm in North America with my little accent, we're just going to like twiddle that down a little bit. Um, and then the second thing that happened was people thought my accent was sexy, right? Like I'd never had that before. I remember being in a, in a bar in Portland with this guy and he was like, oh, your accent is so sexy. We went, we went back to his apartment and fucking fucked. My New Zealand accent got me laid. Are you hearing this? Again... It was a revelation. Um, yeah, and so that's my story about my New Zealand accent and how I have to like modify the way I speak a little bit when I'm ordering food in America because, you know, it's very important to me that I get the delicious food. <laughs> and how I came to realise when I'm back in New Zealand and people start talking about a broad Kiwi accent like it's a bad thing, that... um. That, that attitude is very optional. It is a very optional attitude. And that colonial England can stick it up its own ass. Have you ever seen the vagina monologues? I've never seen the vagina monologues, but I know that um, the word cunt is... Uh, reclaimed maybe i don't know i've never seen the show what i do know is that in new zealand and australia the word cunt is a swear word and it would be a big surprise to, to hear uh, someone on primetime television say cunt like a newsreader um but in the workplace maybe you'd hear it you know, if someone's, someone's a good person and you want to uh, communicate the excellence of them to another group of people, you might say, yeah, he's a good cunt. He's a good cunt. Um, yeah, you, you take take it as a curse. What a cunt. What a cunt. I mean, don't get me wrong. This is, it's one of the, it's one of the bad swear words over here, but People, I mean, it's not its not an end-of-the-world swear word. I mean, you definitely wouldn't get fired for saying cunt in the workplace, particularly in engineering jobs where, you know, people are a bit more real <laughs> about the frustrations of the systems that they're working on. 
Anyway, okay, so this podcast is about things things I've learned about myself and about America, and I did not realise that um, Catch You Next Tuesday is a hugely taboo word in North America. Like, it's it's beyond a swear word. It's um, it's a bad, bad, bad word. Bad word. And the, the reason I know this for sure is I was staying um, with a group of friends and I dropped a couple of C-bombs, said the word cunt, I can't remember what about, and they, like, did, like, a language intervention with me. You know, like how when people's drinking is a problem and they do an intervention and everyone's prepared a letter about how their drinking has affected them and they read the letter out? It was like that, but with the C-word. And so they, like, surrounded me and, like, explained to me in tones we usually reserve for small children and the mentally infirm why I must never, 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 never say the word cunt in North America, which I was just, it was, dear listener, it was fascinating. I felt like Jane Goodall. It was (laughs) sea bomb in the mist. And, um, yeah, so I'm, like, a little bit more careful with that word. I don't know. I mean, I've got kind of a potty mouth anyway. I definitely get in trouble with my sister-in-law for swearing in front of my na- <laughs> swearing in front of my niece. I'm that auntie-uncle. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I can't believe, I can't believe I grew up to be the one that they they would be like, but auntie-uncle Connie says it, and they have to explain to the poor kid that it's... <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> oh, girl, I grew up and I discovered I was that auntie-uncle. Hilarious. This is a San Francisco story um, about the BART, Bay Area Rapid Transit. So... There's this railway line that goes from SFO, San Francisco Airport, into the city, then under the harbour, I guess they call it, then into Oakland, the Barrett, Bay Area Rapid Transit. Um, And, you know, it's one of the ways to get around um, San Francisco if you don't have a car or want to spend all your money on Ubers, and I'm a big fan. Um, But no one really kind of told me that uh, the Barrett needed some... Like, I think it was probably amazing when they installed it, but like a lot of public kind of works projects, it hadn't really had the love and attention that it deserved over its life. And so I discovered that when the BART train goes under the water in the tunnel, um, the, the, the wheels, the metal wheels on the tracks make the screeching noise really really, really loud screeching noise, and honestly, it sounded like the howling of lost souls. Yeah, and um, I, I, the last time I was in San Francisco, there were these big posters in the train saying that, you know, we've, we've done something about these squealing wheels, and so I think I must have experienced prior to that, like, just a peak howling of these disembodied ghouls <laughs> under, <laughs> under the bay. <clears throat> as the bat made its way to um, Oakland. And so kind of the first couple of times I went to San Francisco, um, I kind of cling to my friends quite hard out because I think that public transport is one of like the weirder 
kind of situations to negotiate when it's unfamiliar. And that doesn't that goes for even in your own country. Like if I go to Christchurch or Auckland and try and get buses, I'm just like, I don't know how the fuck this works. I, did, I mean, who do I pay? Where, do I need a thing? Where do I da 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 There's all of this like implicit knowledge that people who regularly use a public transit system have, which is like hard to get until you've like used the thing a couple of times. Um, and so consequently, when I was like getting around on the bar, the Muni, um, in SF, I would cling to my friends. And so like the last time I was in San Francisco, I was meeting up with my friend at the Castro and I was staying in Oakland and I need, I was going to get the bar. And I was all like, I can do this. This is like my third time in San Francisco. Maybe it was my second time in San Francisco. I can't remember. Um, and I was just going to like take my little self <clears throat> down to the Barrett station and I was going to go into the city and I could do this. I was a big girl. I could do it. Um, however, <laughs> big girl got on the wrong train. So, you know, there's a train going into the city and there's a train going out of the city. And it depends on which side of the platform you're standing on as to which direction you're going. And somehow my like internal guidance system got myself all confused and I got on the wrong train and I'm on this train and it's going and it's going and I'm like, man, I've been on this train for a while. When when are we going to get to the tunnel that goes under the bay? And it's going and it's going and I'm like, rot roll. So I get my phone out and like look on the GPS and I'm like, fuck my actual life. I'm on the wrong train heading to fucking San Jose by the looks of things. I think I got as far as Concordia. I think that was the station that I like was like, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. So I contact my friend who sounded a little pissy because I was going to be late. And this is like a, just a side note. New Zealand is a really casual with punctuality like we're like even in business settings everyone's running late for everything and no one gives a fuck because we live on these little islands and the meeting will start when everyone's present north america is a different situation it has been drummed into all of them that time is money and if you like make someone wait for you it is like a personal affront that you're disrespecting them so actually like the last time i went to north america i actually purchased a watch <laughs> like a digital watch for my wrist. Because usually I just use the phone on my, you know, the watch on my phone. And I'm like, I can't do this because the North Americans take it really personally. We're in New Zealand, it's like, meh, you know, she's five minutes late, ten minutes late, whatever, whatever. And so I contacted my friend who sounded a little pissy um, because it was going to take me a while to uh, get myself back into the city. So I, like, get off the train go to the other side of the platform, get back on the train and start coming into the city. And then we finally hit the um, the tunnels that go under the bay and we hear the sound of the, the fucking lost souls that haunt <laughs> under the bay between Auckland, uh, Oakland and the city. And so what's happening next is that I have to get off the BART and get onto a Muni. So there's like two different train systems, right? There's like the bay... But which is like servicing this long corridor and then the, the Muni, which I guess is for municipal, which is kind of more like local trains within the city. So I need to get from the BART onto the Muni to go to the Castro. But then what happens is I get off the BART in the station and it's like three tiers, right? So there's a BART at the bottom, the middle is the Muni and the top is, oh, I can't remember what the top is. I can't remember. All you need to know is that I felt like fucking... Sarah from the Labyrinth 
and the MC Escher scene with David Bowie, and dun 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 dun, Toby. I'm like, how do I get to the second level? And I'm on the escalator going up, and I'm going, and I'm like, how do I get there? There's escalators, and it's all upside down, and David Bowie just swung up under a platform to walk through me like he was a ghost. And I just can't work. I even went up onto the street level because I was like, well, maybe you have to go up to the street level and come down some other stairs. It was so confusing. Plus, actually, because I was meeting my friend from dinner, I was having hanger. But it was more like anxiety. <laughs> I was having, dear listener, I was having anxiety. And so then I finally realised, because I kept getting this escalator from the third, from the third thing from the bar to the top thing, which was like one level below street and I could see the second level I just didn't know which escalator to get through it anyway I eventually found these gates kind of at the back and I got onto the thing and onto the train <sighs> and I you know I get on the train and you know what I can't even remember it clearly because I think I was so fucking anxiety <laughs> I had hang, hang <laughs> I had hang trauma at this stage and so I get onto the um the train and it smells like human excrement, just like someone has shit themselves. So <laughs> I was like, oh, San Francisco. Because <laughs> the city has got a reputation for human feces in 2020. That is real. You can Google that. Google people shitting on the streets in San Francisco. It's a real thing. Um, and so I get to the station I'm going to. Um, oh right, yeah, because my friend told me which stop it was. It's coming back to me now, and they there's an announcement and there's a little LED screen. I'm like, get off on the right stop, fucking thank the Lord after the previous fiasco, and then I go up to the street level to get out, and then I'm I've only I've only really caught the BART, and with the BART you like put your ticket in when you're leaving, and then the turnstile opens, and then you pick up your ticket and you walk out. And so I'm like walking up to the automatic gates and I'm like, where the fuck does my ticket go? How do I? And I'm so super confused. And I'm like waving and it's like, it's busy and there's all these people. And I'm like, I'm that asshole. I'm that fucking guy who can't work the public transport. What is wrong with him? Well, dear listener, that evening, it was me. And then this really nice guy was like, look, you just push it. And that's how I discovered that you don't need no ticket to get out of the Muni onto the street. Anyway, then I went up the escalator and I was in the Castro and there was my friend and it was, it was gay, it was as gay as the night is long. It was fabulous. Had a great time. I lived my dream of waking up after shagging my brains out in the Castro. I feel like that is like a gay rite of, a gay rite of passage. Yeah, yeah. And that's my story about the Bart. The first time I went to North America, and this happens subsequently but never quite as badly, I was massively undone by light switches and faucets, or as we would call them here in New Zealand, a tap. Um, because it turns out, much to my humongous surprise, that light switches are wired the opposite way in North America than in New Zealand. So in New Zealand, if you press the bottom of the light switch and the rocker comes forward at the top, 
that turns the light on. But in North America, the same action turns the light off. <laughs> so I spent a lot of time in the evenings coming into rooms and then giving everyone a fucking disco strobe show while I strobe light show while I tried to establish the correct position of the light switches because in my mind they were all motherfucking upside down crazy and I remember being at a guy's house because I picked him up at a bar and then going into his bathroom and trying to like turn the light on and it was all kinds of flashing and it was just kind of exhausting I'm like I used to be able to be a functional adult and complete simple tasks but now light switches have defeated me the other thing is that heaps of American homes have dimmers installed whereas New Zealand like up until very recently we had this kind of quasi-iron curtain thing going where it was like expensive and difficult to import things. So we had a very limited range of consumer goods, which means that across New Zealand, there were, up until very recently, there were like two types of light switch. No, three. There was the really old-fashioned one, the medium old-fashioned one, and the modern one. Do you know what I'm talking about? New Zealanders do know what I'm talking about. The old-fashioned ones were like Nana would have in her house, and they were clunky and big and brown. And then the like medium old-fashioned ones were from the 60s, and they were kind of like slightly rounded, but like a little rocker. And then the modern ones were like much smaller, and they made a little clicky noise when you pushed them. That was it. There was like three types of light switches. So I turn up in North America, and there's like panels and different sizes and dials and dimmers, and like dimmers on the dial and the dial and you know like it's just an explosion of consumer options and girl all of a sudden I couldn't work the lights and then there were the faucets which kind of had the same thing as the taps so lights as the light switches um faucets known as taps in New Zealand and uh so I, I actually had to get my friend to help me fucking turn the shower on in this one place we we're staying at because I'm like I just don't understand what I'm looking at. I just don't understand what I'm looking at here. <laughs> it was just surreal to me. I'm like, God damn it. I'm like an adult and I can't operate these simple things anymore. Again, in New Zealand, there are like maybe four types of like shower mixer. The really old ones, the medium old ones, the old ones and the modern ones. And in North America, it's like everything. It's, and sometimes they you tilt them up and down, you turn them. And it was just like, it was all kinds of mystery to me. The thing is about travelling in an English-speaking country is because I could understand everybody, I felt like... Yeah, it wouldn't be too culture shocky because I can communicate and get what I need. But it turned out that it was a bit culture shocky and it was the little things that were giving me additional stress in my day. For example, I had no clue whatsoever what the um, currency was. And so I'd go to pay for things, I'd open my wallet and I'd be like, it's just a whole lot of green bills. They're all green, and I don't know what's going on. And then the change, and I'm like, I am not familiar with any of these coins. And 
a lot of them don't have a numerical value assigned to their name, so it's like a nickel and a dime and a quarter. At least a quarter is a 25 cents. A nickel and a dime, I mean, if I think about it, I can work it out. And, you know, and it's just like a lot of little things that are just similar enough but different that causes kind of mental fatigue. And I kind of reached peak um, culture shock when we were we were tra- it was winter time. We were in Oregon. We were heading to into the Cascade Mountains, and we stopped at Salem. And um, my friends had to talk me down off the cliff. They were like, "It's Salem, Oregon, not Salem, Massachusetts. This is not the witch Salem. It's Salem, the capital of Oregon." And I'm like, "Okay, why why are so many places got the same name? That that's like that's a whole other tangent." <laughs> Um, and so we go to this organic supermarket and they, and my friends are like, we can get lunch there. And so they have like a situation, and this is the first time I've experienced this, where you pile the food on your plate and on the tray and they weigh it and you pay the amount your food weighs. There is nowhere in New Zealand that does that. Nowhere, nowhere. <laughs> The closest would be like three choice to have here. <laughs> um, and so this is kind of wild. And I'm like, wow, okay, this is a, like a new way of obtaining food. And it was like, you know, little Bay Marie's and you like helped yourself. And then you like walked in the supermarket to the checkout. And then the checkout weighed your food. And then you went and sat and ate it. And I'm like, this is like... Again, it's all of these things are like familiar to me, but no one has ever put them together like this before. So I'm like a little bit like starting to have my like culture shock experience. And so I've got the food and I'm like, okay, I want something to drink. And I look at the what's in the, the, the refrigerators and I don't know any of these brands. And because this is an organic store, like the usual kind of like save my life, Coca-Cola, you know, big big multinational brands that I know and recognize don't exist because it's all fucking organically, locally produced Oregon kombucha and spring water from springs that I've never heard of. And I'm just so tired of it. I'm tired of not being able to do currency. I'm tired of light switches messing me up. I'm tired of like not being able to do the shower. And it's like, I'm kind of like low-key stressed out because of this whole situation with weighing my food to purchase it. And I can't see the drink that I want because I don't know what these drinks are. And if anyone's been to North America, you know that there is like 50 different types of drinks in this car, this like drinks fridge, fridge that stretches so far away that you get kind of like converging lines like rail, railway lines in the distance and I honestly just want to lie on the floor of this fucking organic place and just shut my eyes because <laughs> it's all too hard. And because I'm with my gay friends, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to do this. So I start to lower myself to the floor for the drama and then on the way down my eye catches Sam Pellegrino. I'm like, oh my God, thank God. It's Italian sparkling mineral water. I know what that is, so I get it. And like, just as a footnote, Italy's got a problem with pollution, like hard out. Like Google um, rubbish burning Italy and you'll find out just horrible things. And I'm like, I just don't get why this spring water has such a great reputation. (laughs) But then again, New Zealand doesn't exactly have clean waterways either. So I guess... uh, those who live in glass houses. 
anyway, that's my story of uh, how culture shock. You know, it's just the weirdest thing. It was just, it was just like choosing a drink, and it was just it was the straw that broke this camel's back. The podcast you have been listening to has concluded. Remember to subscribe to be notified of new episodes. <laughs>